Hey, have you heard the big news? I'm thrilled to announce that I'm in the process of creating a special program called Mothers Evolve. It's specifically for moms of neurodivergent kids looking to change feelings of guilt, low confidence, and failure into self-appreciation, empowerment, and inner peace. With the help of some brilliant and inspiring mentors and fellow moms of neurodivergent kids, I'm going to give you the love you've been depriving yourself of and strategies to not only survive every day, but thrive as the amazing mother you truly are even though most days it doesn't feel like it. Mothers Evolve is set to launch in January of 2023, but here's where you come in. I'm looking for moms willing to pilot the program by doing a test run in October of this year. I'll be taking your suggestions into strong consideration and tweaking the course so that it's ready to go in January. Interested in being a pilot aboard this plane? I'm just flying with the airplane metaphor here. Head over to ontheharddays.com forward slash pilot to reserve a spot on my email list specifically for Mothers Evolve testers. I'll be sending out a weekly email with updates and gathering your feedback, and then we're ready for takeoff on October 1st. As with everything I do, I literally cannot do this without you. Thank you so much for your endless support. It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you were so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. I've learned so much. So <laughs> a few years ago, I, um, I started seeing a coach. Um, it was actually when my, my, first daughter was in the NICU and I was really struggling with my own anxieties and I was struggling with my own PTSD and having had a husband who had, um, had cancer and been in the hospital for a year, um, having an, a daughter now who, um, had a rare disorder and we were in the NICU with her and it ended up her nine months of life. Uh, a lot of it was spent in the, in the hospital and we ended up going to the same out of state hospital where my first husband had passed away. And it was very traumatic, um, to go kind of back to that place. And, um, uh, I started seeing a coach and part of everything that I was dealing with was my daughter, but it also, at that time we were really struggling with my son. And she just said to me, um, you are going to learn so much from your son. And I was just like, what <laughs> he, okay. Like, I guess I kind of get what you're saying, but I don't really, because all we're, we're just miserable. How am I going to learn something from his constant, um, inappropriate behaviors and his inability to do anything at school? And I, like, I, it just so blew my mind that she would say that I did not understand at all, but what I've learned that's been, um, four years ago now. <laughs> And what I've learned is, oh my gosh, I have learned so much about myself. I 
before we struggled with him, I didn't know that what I experienced every single day of my life was anxiety. I had no, I, I just thought that that's how people lived. I thought that people walked around every day, worried about every single thing and that they were just able to mask it better than I was. Oh I mean, truly like I have learned about my anxiety. I learned that I had PTSD. Like I, I just had no frame of reference for any of that. <laughs> and I've learned that, that everything is not black and white, that everybody has their own extreme struggles. I mean, like I knew that, but like, I didn't really understand that until my son taught me that we are not, we don't do things because we necessarily want to do them. We, a lot of times do things because we are reacting to a place deep within us that is triggered from some things that we don't even know. If I had never told my son that his dad died when he was little, he would not know. And yet he would still have a lot of the same PTSD and reactions that he has to things. Regardless, it wouldn't matter. Like it is a part of him. And, um, he, he doesn't, we, we believe we're 99% sure that his dad had ADHD. There's no way to go back and test that now. Um, but it was very likely. And he wasn't raised by his dad who had ADHD. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just like so much of who we are, obviously we can learn about ourselves and we can help, help ourselves to progress and to learn skills, to cope with the things that we struggle with. But I just have learned, um, we, we are a lot of, of ourselves, the culmination of things that we don't even have control over. We don't have control over the structure of our brain and how it makes us react to things. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just, I'm totally I following that. you. Yeah. I'm totally following what you're saying. You have to, there's a genetic component, first of all. Yeah. And yeah. then there's also just, just life and trauma does look different for everybody. Yeah. And I, I think you said this before. I also thought like, I knew, I knew as a child, I knew as a teenager, like other people have big struggles, yeah. but since, but since nothing's really bad has happened in my life yeah. at that yeah. time, um, uh-huh. then I, I don't know what it's like to have a big struggle. Also right. not realizing that I was walking around with anxiety every single yes. day. We might be the yeah. same person. I know. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, wow. And so there's this one thing though, that I, I have got to touch on before we go any further. And I want yeah, to yeah. before too, which is that I, I still am hearing, and I know you're going through it, mm-hmm. but I'm still hearing a lot of blame that you're placing on yourself, even though you're saying out loud yeah, that, that you're not. Sure. And, yeah. and I just want to sort of hold some space mm-hmm. for you in that way, in that, especially when you were talking about how your son needs you to like, sort of be that confident parent. Yeah. But I heard in there a little, a little bit of, I don't know, disappointment in yourself that you Uh didn't do that. And I just feel like you need to know that this is not your fault. Not, none of it is your fault. Nothing that has happened, a ton of trauma, really serious stuff. Um, But even if it wasn't there, you're still, you're you and you've done nothing wrong. Um, I don't know. I, I wish that I could just sort of take away all of the, the blame that you put on yourself for, for, for what, for showing up every day for all of your children, for showing up for um, multiple people in your life who've had serious illnesses that you've had to 
deal with, you know, hospitals and um, all of it. And then raising children to be um, the best versions of themselves that they can be. And, and you're still beating yourself up. And I just, it's hard. It's hard to watch knowing that you are stronger than so much stronger than, than you think and that you truly believe. Um, yeah. And I just, I just want you to know that you're amazing um, and that you, you, <laughs> yep. you couldn't be doing anything differently. There's not a single thing that you could be doing better than you're already doing. Yeah. You're doing yeah. it. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you're right. You're very correct. Um, that is very true. And I feel like that's part of my journey is self-forgiveness. Um, when I first heard, when I first was going to therapy and um, I was, I was working with her on stuff with my son and with stuff that happened with my first husband, we were like right on the, I was pregnant, but we were right on the cusp of learning that my uh, daughter at that time had serious med- medical issues. And I grew up my whole life learning about forgiveness. It's good to forgive. It's good to let go of that. I thought it was for other people. No one had ever taught me <laughs> that there was such a thing as self-forgiveness. I did not know that that was a concept. And I remember the therapist like <laughs> telling me that and just being like, what? Like I, it, it blew my mind. Like I need to forgive myself. <laughs> That's why I'm struggling. And so I constant, I feel like forgiveness for me, like to forgive other people, it comes easily because I want everybody to be happy. Like I've learned to have boundaries yes. and to, um, not let other people keep hurting me, but for myself, it's like, I live with myself and I know who I am and what I do. And so, yes, like I started self-forgiveness five years ago, but it is still something that I work on every single day. (laughs) And because I like, for example, just this situation that happened at school, um, a month ago where I was in the principal's office and just sobbing, like you just, and I think part of it, you put it on yourself. Part of it does like, I have unquestionably been shamed and judged and just like questioned by other people. Like, why can't you control your kid? why can't you stop your kid from hurting mine and been shunned for that? And uh, with a personality like mine, I just take all that blame in for myself. Oh my gosh, I am doing something. I'm really screwing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gosh. (laughs) No, it's, it's so, so relatable. I really, can deeply relate. Um, people don't understand that how, how words affect other people. Yeah. I don't know. I won't speak for you, but I'm a highly sensitive person anyway. Yes. Also, I'm an HSP. I'm like very empathic, very empathetic. Like I will just feel everything. Even if you, you don't have to say it, I can like see it on your face. Um, I remember when he was in, uh, first, second, well, second, third grade, first, second, third grade, he would part of, um, having ADHD is sleep struggles and he couldn't fall it. Like he was this amazing sleeper, like from the time that he was six years old to the time that he was about 
in kindergarten. He just like slept beautifully every night. It wasn't an issue putting him to bed. It wasn't an issue getting him up, but about starting second, first, second grade, um, he, we would put him to bed at his regular bedtime, like seven 30. And then he would stay up for hours, like till 1130 midnight. And he would move around the furniture in his room. Like he just couldn't sit still. He couldn't sleep. His brain was so active. And I didn't know at the time that he was so understimulated because like I would try to take him to things like soccer or different activities, team things, after school clubs, trying to get him to like get some more energy out. And he would just ultimately like either get in so much trouble or get kicked out because he had such a hard time with social interactions and, and his own social boundaries. So it's like, what can I even do? Because like anything that we try, it's like he gets kicked out. So anyway, he was just awake, like for all hours at night. And I was like, what do I, I don't even know what to do about this. Like, and I remember talking to somebody who did not judge or shame me even a tiny bit, but I was just like, what time do your kids go to bed? Do you have a hard time? Cause she was an experienced mom. And she was like, no, I put them all to bed and they go to sleep. Like she was confused. She was just like, I don't even know. And I was like, oh, and then I, I was like scared to talk to people after that because if I'm dealing with these things and nobody else knows, like, how can I even talk to you? Cause now I'm afraid that I'm going to tell somebody something and they're going to be like, oh, you're doing something really wrong. <laughs> and, and part of this was because I was in so much denial for so many years that it was my fault that it was, I, I didn't believe that it could possibly be something outside of me. Um, but I just internalized everything. And so I'm still healing from that for sure. I mean, it's been, he's, he's 11 years old. So it's been a full decade of just internalized. So it's been, well, I've, I spent about four years working on that, but I, it's still like so much more. I know there's so many more layers and so much more to unpack. And I know it goes beyond him. It goes back to my own stuff from when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but also forgiving yourself for yeah. the fact that you have to forgive yourself. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you're sad. Yeah, that is that you're still is, like, oh, why do yeah. I have to do like I, I shouldn't have to do this? Why can't I just yeah. be whatever? But I yeah. but you know, forgive, forgive that 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 you have to do the work because everybody yeah. should be doing work. Yes. Everybody's got yeah. their own crap. Yes. You know? I am now a huge like before how I grew up, I just thought like therapy, like that kind of work. I was like for, you know, weird situations. Yeah. And, um, As a stigma if you sure. have to go to therapy, then there's something really wrong with you. <laughs> and so even when I went, I, I started thinking about therapy for my son when he was three. And I was just like, why am I thinking about this? Why, why, if, if I take him to therapy, that means there's something wrong with him. And so it took me three more years before we, he started going to play therapy. And as soon as I started taking him to therapy, the therapist was having me, uh, well, the first thing, the first day of therapy, and I was in there with him and, and she was working on some stuff with them and just, he was in kindergarten. So he was five or six. I think he was just barely turned six. And she didn't really, she was just kind of letting him lead the way. And what he did was he took a piece of paper, a big piece of paper. He, at the top, he had her write good and bad. And then he made a list 
of the good kids in his class. <laughs> Sorry. Oh man. And the bad kids. And there were like three kids on the bad side and he was on there. I mean, this is how we started. And so he has a lot to work through himself with his own sense of goodness and self-esteem. Um, his own sense of value. Oh, I hope people can understand what I'm saying. People <laughs> totally can. And um, so many mothers that I know in, in, yeah. uh, in the Mothers Together community, yeah. they get very, very, and I do too, very upset, very it's very hard to hear your child speak negatively about him or herself. Yeah. We, I've heard it so many times and it's been hard for me as well when my son was younger. Yeah. Um, so he started this play therapy and she had, um, she started having me like do a journal whenever he had a meltdown or whenever he, whatever, something happened, there was a behavior or whatever. I was supposed to write about it and give it to her. And I remember the first time she turned the journal in or I turned the journal in and a few days later she called me and she said, I think you need to start therapy. And I was like, why, why? I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. I just wanted somebody to help me fix my son. And she said, have you ever heard the word catastrophizing? I said, no, at this time I had zero experience with anything like that. Have you ever heard of the word catastrophizing? And she explained that it's like <laughs> when uh, something happens and then you spiral it down to the worst possible situation that could ever happen out of that. Like my son would like steal cookies from the pantry and then there would be a fight about it. And then I would be like, and oh my gosh, he's going to grow up and steal cars. <laughs> like that's what I would write in the journal. Like, I'm terrified of what's going to happen when he grows up because he's going to do X, Y, Z. And that's when I learned I had anxiety. <laughs> and that's when I learned I had PTSD. And it just blew my mind. Like in my head, PTSD is for combat veterans, <laughs> like not for a 25 year old who buried her husband with cancer. I just needed to buck up. <laughs> That's what I thought. And uh, so one of my um, passions is um, normalizing all of these things. Everybody, I think everybody, if you live to a certain age and some people experience it younger and some people experience it older, but everybody has PTSD from something. Everybody, I don't know if everybody will, but almost everybody, or at least, you know, somebody who has anxiety or depression or OCD or any of those things, we're not even talking about ADHD, ODD and autism and all of those neurodivergent um, conditions. Everybody has something. And I did not know that. And I think that it is so important for everybody to be aware <laughs> that what they're feeling and what they're going through is so normal, so normal. And it is okay to be depressed and you don't have to deny that or resist it or whatever. 
because um, in my opinion, <laughs> the only way that you can help yourself when you, when you struggle with those things is to acknowledge it. And as weird as it sounds to embrace it and just love it and accept it. Um, and so that's what I've learned with my son is, um, he, he has been seeing a therapist, um, and we haven't been in a little bit because, um, it's just very <laughs> costly. Um, and so he hasn't been as much in the last few months, but in working with the therapist and, um, the therapist was seeing a lot of the same issues that I was and telling me, you know, this could be something that as, as much as you try to help him, you might be <laughs> just prepare yourself. Like you might be looking at, um, down the line as he gets into his teenage years, like some pretty serious issues, um, that might be outside of your control. <laughs> and I said, well, what can I do? What can I do about it? I need, I need help. I've read all of the books. I've read all of the resources that I can get my hands on. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help him even with all of that. And he said, just love him. Just love him. I do. I love my son. Sometimes it's really hard to step back from that. When you feel like you're supposed to be giving constant consequences and constantly doing all these things. That's what I thought. And he said it for him, like obviously hold boundaries and have, have um, reasonable consequences, but also those are not going to be as effective as just loving him and accepting him for who he is. And so, yes, yeah, sometimes I still lose my temper. Sometimes I still get upset with him. And <laughs> I, I berate myself still, even now. I'm not patient enough or whatever, but like other people are like, holy cow, you're the most patient person that I know. <laughs> and I have my, my standards set so high that I don't always see that. But um, no matter what he does, Again, it can be hard at the moment for me to do this um, if I haven't had time to mentally prepare myself. Like it's much easier for me if something happens at school, I get a phone call and then a couple hours later, he's coming home. If it happens like right now and I don't have time to prepare, I am much more likely to uh, react in a way that's not loving. But he's so much better if I am just like, hey, this happened. Uh, let's talk about it what consequence do we mutually think would be fair for this? And then he's like, oh, that's fair. And he can go through with that. Um, anyway, I forgot what I was kind of going with there. No, <laughs> I think the thing is, yeah, kids like this, they just, they just need loved more. I mean, not more than other people, but like, there's so much more. They do think that they're bad. My son is learning that he's not. But when he has something that happens, <coughs> um, he totally thinks he's a bad kid. And part of that is my fault. Like I did give him that messaging for a lot of the time when he was little, because I thought something was wrong with me and something was wrong with him. And, but he was the one who needed to fix it. The way that he is placing yeah. blame on himself. Right. And that's not unlike the blame you're placing on yourself. Yeah. But I think that that's very 
Like that's not exclusive to you guys. That's so, so normal. I mean, we all, we all do that. Yeah. Um, and, and when you talk about just deep love and acceptance for who he is, which yeah. I totally am on board with a hundred percent, but I also, my, my immediately reaction is like all kids. Yes. All kids, all kids, all kids. And, and I that's think, the best way to love. I think know. like even you and I as chronic people pleasers, like mm-hmm. that came from a certain place that we didn't feel like we were good enough. Um, that didn't just happen in a vacuum. We tried so hard to make everybody else happy because we thought that if we didn't, then there was something wrong with us. That was our reaction to that same messaging. Um, whereas my son's reaction is to lash out and to uh, scream and to yell and to yell, I hate you and to yell, you know, obscenities. And I'm also his safe person. So I get the bulk of that. (laughs) Um, but you know, even at school in different places, like if he is criticized for something, he will take it out on you or someone else for sure. Whereas mine was just like internalize that. Okay. Be a better person, like be a better person. And so, um, I put pressure myself in that way. He puts pressure on himself in that way. And I told myself I was good. And I really believed that, um, growing up like, but it was like, you had to be good. If you're not good, then you're worthless. And his is, well, I'm just bad. So I'm just going to be bad. (laughs) And let's just redefine what good even is because we grew up in good is compliant. Uh It is, um, people pleasing. That is good. Right. And that's what teachers do. That's how we're yes. taught in a, in a model that's, of traditional schooling. Yes. That's what we're taught to teach. We are taught to continue, um, to propel that. And that's not what we need anymore. Um, I think we know better now. And I think we're the generation that is changing that for kids. And I, I think it might take another generation or two for it fully to I think just based on the way that things go and how long it takes people to embrace things like that, um, it might be my son's kids or maybe his grandkids, but I think that it is changing. It's so much more accepted now to talk about um, these things than it was a decade ago. And um, and I think it's a really good thing <laughs> to be open about that um, and vulnerable because it won't change otherwise. And that, that change is happening. And yeah, let's just take right now. You are making that change by being here and saying these things. This is now a a piece of history, right. That, that could be listened to for however long and it should be because it's such mm, so powerful, but like you're making the change right now by saying every single thing you have said. Yeah you're the, you're the brave one here. You're, you're the (laughs) one taking the the massive chance, although it's going to be widely, widely uh, accepted and, um, and loved. I don't know. You're, you're making the change right now just by talking about it. You're so kind. I, I really hope that, um, and maybe for some other people, it's obvious for me, it just, all of these things that, um, I'm sharing that are important to me were total mind blowers. (laughs) Like, it's possible to say what you really feel like that's okay. You're allowed. (laughs) Okay. Let's then let's do it because I know for me, when I hear other people saying that they're struggling with something like that, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like there's not something that's terribly wrong with me after all. (laughs) Like that's such a relief. (laughs) There's nothing terribly wrong, but 
the opposite. You're, you're amazing. Like, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, yeah, I think it's just as moms, like, I don't know if ADHD and I think it, I think anxiety is more common. And I think that's the nature of the environment that we live in now. Um, I think, I do think that probably some of these things are more common than they were when we were kids. Um, but I just think it's so important for us as moms and people in general, like people who deal with it themselves. Um, I don't know what it's like to have ADHD, but I know what it's like to parent somebody with ADHD. And I think it's so important for us just to talk about it and to share and be open. And I do that with a lot of sensitivity because it is my son that I'm talking about. Like, I am not just going to go willy-nilly share everything that he struggles with because it's him too, you know? Um, but I, I would not be able to make it through without being able to talk about, like, you know, talk about it with people. Cause it's too much just for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's too much. <laughs> yeah. I, there have been times when in parenting him, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not a good mom. So, I mean, really and truly, I'm telling you this, like, I'm not a good mom. I may as well be gone so that he could have somebody better to parent, somebody who could actually help him. Um, And that's not, I mean, that's just being honest. That's where I've been sometimes. And that's in combination with my daughter passing away and in combination with um, seeing uh, how my son's behavior affects all of us in the family and just thinking, well, I can't do this. Like, yep. I, I can't do this. And, and that's truthfully where I've been. Yep. Not right now, but like in the past. And I, I can't say that it won't be like that again, because sometimes it is really hard. That's something that moms are not talking about either. So let's, no. we're normalizing that conversation yeah. about moms who have said, uh, in, I'm always listening to moms and mothers together. So that's why I'm referencing it, but I'm in Uh and out of meetings and things and moms who are saying I'm this close to packing a bag and walking out my door. Um, I, for me, it's that it's like, I fantasize about just leaving and driving away or it's, it's not necessarily that I am suicidal, but like, I'll think about it. Like, eh, I just can't deal with this anymore. Like I might as well get hit by a bus and that the reason why I don't um, dwell in that for very long is because I know that it would destroy all my kids. Um, Especially (laughs) my oldest has severe anxiety. He already has lost a dad. He already has lost a sister. He is very sensitive about the possibility of something else happening. And like, he begs me, like when he goes to school in the morning, mom, are you going anywhere today? We'll make sure you drive safely. Make sure that you don't meet any like (laughs) weird people or like if I'm going on a walk, mom, I don't think you should go on a walk. Well, why not? Because what if something happens while you're out? What if you get shot? Um, I'm I'll be okay. Like we're we live in a safe neighborhood. Um, I have to like carry pepper spray with me, (laughs) not because of myself, but because he he panics. And um, I mean it's like a thing. Um so that's why it's, it's truly how I feel. Sometimes I know that I never would, um, intentionally do anything like that, but like, that's the kind of heavy stuff that I yeah. deal with. Yes. And, um, 
when I was growing up, that was so outside the realm of even my comprehension. I could not even have wrapped my mind around Mm -hmm. that. That is something that would occur to me like as a mom, I just thought it was going to be sunshine and rainbows and rose colored glasses. And we were going to have a wonderful time and I was going to be this great mom and my kids would be amazing. And yeah, (laughs) I, it's so, so relatable, but I do have to say, but you are an amazing mom and your kids are so amazing. It just doesn't look like the storybook way we were raised and the the society we grew up in. And so that's the shift. That's the shift. It is. It's a complete paradigm shift. And I, I don't know, (laughs) maybe it will, it, maybe it will solidify sooner, but I think that it might be until he's an adult that that fully, like fully that I become at peace with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know because it's still, it's, it's still something that I'm working on fully accepting. Um, and I, I love myself for that. Like I, I, if, if I don't love myself for that, then it just, um, is harder when you resist it, then it just is harder. So, so I, I try my best to say, this is, this is where we're at. This is, this is, um, how it is for right now. And we just, I just do my best to love it through. And sometimes it's, making it through hour by hour and minute by minute. Like, um, yeah. And that's so normal. Yeah. Again, something that's not talked about, (laughs) like how many moms I was, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I Mm -hmm. I saw a mom who was really looking very put together (laughs) and I, um, (laughs) don't ever look put together. And I just thought to myself, okay, is is she really that put together? And if so, yes. what's her secret? Or is that just one of the ways that she sort of copes? So yeah. she looks put and together, but inside she's falling apart. Whereas I don't even bother right. with the looks. And part. I wonder about that too. Cause like I look at other families and this is not to say everybody, but sometimes I look at other families and I'm like, what are they, what's their magic? Like secret sauce. How do you, like, how do you get your kids to be so polite and like, whatever, <laughs> like, and I'm just like constant, constantly like, growing up, like taking him to play dates and stuff and, and doing activities or like different things, like having a babysitter, there was always so much anxiety. Like, what are we going to deal with today? What's going to happen today? What are they going to see that I don't want other people to see, you know, like, what are they going to think? What are they going to think when he does X, Y, Z? And, um, I was like, why don't I see other people doing that? (laughs) Mm-hmm. but you don't know what's happening in their head. You don't know what is happening behind the four walls of their house. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You just don't know no. with other people. No. And I'm just starting to assume, and I'm working on this as well. Mm-hmm. And as I was looking at this mom, I was in my head, I was doing a lot of <laughs> internal work saying there's no yeah. way she's perfect. Yeah. And, and it would just be straight up jealousy. Anyway, it's not yeah. no anger here, but like, there's yeah. no way, there's no way because that's not possible. Yeah. So something okay. And it gave me just a little bit of comfort to know that something in her life is probably messed up. Yeah. Um, maybe not, but probably. Yeah, and, for sure. Know, we're all going yeah. through it. Yeah. I mean, like when I was growing up, I thought I had like, I did. I, I, I was very happy growing up. I had a very good life. Nothing tremendous, like explicitly traumatic ever happened. Like I got amazing opportunities and I was generally like a pretty happy kid 
and, but looking back, I see, you know, oh, like this really affected me and that's how I am the way that I am today or like whatever situations happened. Um, and sometimes my son is just like my oldest, like we're straight out a dysfunctional family. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, it's just funny. Like he'll say things like that. Like we're so dysfunctional. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe everybody is yeah. like, and that's okay. Like we have our own struggles and we have our own fights, but I love you mm-hmm. like so much. And I will do anything to help you to cope with and to succeed, even with all these struggles that you have. Like I will, I will be there to help you through that. And we might be a little dysfunctional for sure. Like there's definitely dysfunction that comes with, um, so much loss in your family. Like that is just naturally going to come with a little dysfunctionality. (laughs) It will as much as you don't want it to, and you want things to be perfect. Um, and whatever your situation is, I think everybody's a little bit dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Like, and I, when I, like I said, when I was a kid, I had just this idea of like a perfect family and a perfect, and sometimes I'm still like, gosh, dang it. Like, I, I wish that X, Y, and Z didn't happen to me. Like, how nice would that be just to have like this life that some of my friends and that I, I perceive them as having, like, they got married, they, they fell in love, they had kids and they bought a house and they live in their house and it's wonderful. And they have stable jobs and blah, 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 whatever. Like white picket fence. That's and what I retriever. See. Yes. Yeah. That's what I see, but maybe that's not really how it is. And I don't know, unless I reach out to them and I find out and I am, I show them concern and empathy for their situation. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe people look, I think people look at my life and they're like, oh my gosh, like she's so brave and she survived her husband dying and being a 25 year old widow and a single mom. And then her baby died and look at her. And she always looks so happy. And like, she looks pretty put together. I think that's what people see when they look at me. And if, especially if they don't know my son, <laughs> but, um, that's what they see. And they're like, you're amazing. And I'm like, I just am dealing with the cards that were dealt me mm-hmm. and you don't have a choice. <laughs> you just deal with those cards. You have to, but you um, are amazing. And that's the thing <laughs> that you're not putting on some sort of fake. And, and I think that's what I mean. I'm not like trying to be amazing. It just, it is, it you is. <laughs> Everybody is exactly. Yes. We all have dysfunction that's what I mean. like, and we're I all amazing. Yes. Yes. And I look at other women and things that they go through and I'm like, I could never do that. How do you do that? Or, you know, things that are more socially acceptable. Like, like for me, it was almost easier to have a, a, a daughter with medical complicated, like severe medical complicated needs because that was socially acceptable. It was obvious to everybody that what happened was not my fault, <laughs> you know? Yes. And yes. so it was easier to accept help with that and yes. and all of that because well obviously I it, it's not my fault. Yes. Um whereas with my son, yeah. Uh maybe it's my fault. Yeah. I'm not saying that it is, but like people might look at that and think, well, dang, she screwed up. <laughs> you know, like yep. that's yep. that's how I saw it. Um and I know that's not true now. 
and we do need help. And, and sometimes I'm, I'm not good at this, but sometimes I'm like, you know, people brought me dinner and babysat my kids. Like when my daughter was sick and when she passed away, but some days with my son, I need somebody to bring me dinner <laughs> and babysit yes. my other kids. It's the same thing. Yes. Um, and I think it will be amazing when that's kind of fully accepted and non-stigmatized, mm-hmm. um, that we just need support no matter what <laughs> between yes. each other. Everybody does. Yeah. yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. I am just, um, truly blown away by you. Um, yes, everyone's amazing. Yes. Everyone has dysfunction, but you're a little extra amazing because you are willing to (laughs) be brave and, and talk about it because we're still, still, most people are not talking about it. We're not there yet. Um, this, this particular conversation, um, I actually might, I think I'm going to split it into two parts because it is so (laughs) flipping powerful. Moms are going to be crying while they listen. They are going to be internally screaming while they're listening. Um, I can think of so many specific moms who really need to hear you. Um, are you okay with them reaching out to you in like for sure saying, yeah. Yeah, I listened and yeah, the best way that you would prefer them to do that. Um, I have Instagram and Facebook. I can give you that information okay. yeah, for sure. Sure. or yeah. email or whatever. Anything okay. I can put that in the, yeah. in the show notes part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Megan, you're a rock star. Uh, yeah, you are too. I, I have to tell you, honestly, um, you started, I, I wasn't really looking for resources, but a few, I don't know, maybe two months ago. I'm not sure. Um, you kind of, your reel started showing up on my Instagram page (laughs) and I was watching, I was like, man, like she gets it. Like I totally relate to this woman. And then there was one that you did and I can't even remember what it was, but it was something about hit me so deeply. Like I could have written those exact words. It was something about how other people see how you parent and Mm -hmm. how, how much you struggle with that. And I just was like, (laughs) it's like, she is me and I am her and we are the same. (laughs) And, um, just having that validation and knowing that I am not the only person who has these struggles as a mom, like was so validating. And I already knew that, like, you know, that, Mm -hmm. um, but just seeing the way that you said it, it was so validating. And I am really grateful for the work that you do and helping moms to know that, um, they are just great. And no matter what you're going through that, um, you are doing your best. And I think that's what matters. And so I, I appreciate that work that you've been doing, um, because I think that validation and your vulnerability is such an important component of helping people to work through this and accept whatever it is that you're there going through. Thank you. So I know that the more that I, the more that I try to <clears throat> empower moms, uh-huh. the better I feel about myself as a For mom. Sure. Yeah. And so it is, it selfishly, it is um, a two-part thing. Yes. For I sure. love making yeah. other moms feel good, yeah. but it, in turn makes me feel good. And it, I had all the same feelings of feeling like that. I still do on occasion, but not nearly as much as I used to, but, um, you know, those deep, deep feelings of shame and guilt and doubt and, and depression and disappointment in myself. And all of those things are not so far away from where I am right now, Right. but I feel just a smidgen smidge better every single time 
that I talk with another mom like you. Um, and that's why I'm just grateful for, for you being willing to do this. Yeah. That empowerment, I think is so important because if we don't feel empowered in ourselves, then it's going to be that much harder to make a difference for ourselves and for our kids and for the future. Like I just foresee, um, I'm, I'm a, totally a stay at home mom right now. And, um, this, this obviously is not going to be the same. I don't really have a desire to work outside the home and I'm okay with that, but I was trying to figure out, well, what do I do? <laughs> like my kids and now my daughter's now too, like they're a little older, more independent. What do I do? And I realized, oh, my mission, my purpose is to help my kids feel empowered and to help them love themselves so that they, my goal isn't to help them to be happy. My goal is to help them to love themselves and be at peace with where they are. And that will bring happiness, but they'll also be okay when they're not happy. And, um, so that's, that is truly my, my purpose and to help other people to see that they can have that for themselves too. Um, I'm not a very <laughs> like vocal person or a public person, but, um, I certainly would love to give that support to people too and help them to know that they can have that for themselves too. I have a couple of ways that I'm thinking in my head that I would love to have you do that um, and help yeah. my community, but we can, we can yeah, talk about that. After. Sure. Megan, thank you. I just, that thank you doesn't cover it, but thank you so, so much. <laughs> thank for you. Doing I, when you invited me to be on here, I just thought, Oh, like, maybe what I have to say matters. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah, it does. It so does. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website on theharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at On the Hard Days with dots in between each word, or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.